When I moved into tech, we really seriously thought about other ways of doing things, but I wanted to settle down first. Like stay in tent longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. So I have worked from a tent. I have genuinely worked from a tent wow. in the heatwave. <laughs> Amazing. Um, making production changes. Whoa, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> um, and that was like surprisingly nice. fun. Welcome to the sixth episode of Optimize All The Things podcast. I'm your host, Ivan Volkov. I'm your host, Bartek Potka. Optimize All The Things is a podcast in which we talk about software engineering, performance, technology, careers, soft skills, and really all the things we can optimize in our work and life. Today, we are joined by Becky, a software engineer at Chatstack. She has a great story about how she transitioned into tech and how she works while being a digital nomad. We talked about travel, work setup on the road, and all the crazy places you can work from. But before we jump into this, let's talk about the news of the week. So what's happening, Kevin? Yeah, uh, I have a couple of news prepared. Um, one thing that uh, interested me was how Reddit is uh, trying to monetize their API. Uh, and I think this is really uh, kind of provoked by all of the AI hype that we have been talking about for so many episodes and it has it is all around us. Uh, you know, all of these uh, large language models uh, need to be trained on some data. Uh, Reddit, uh, the popular kind of uh, forum place, has a lot of data. So what they're doing is that they are um, putting some kind of uh, restrictions on the API usage. So basically trying to restrict the uh, scraping, but still providing uh, kind of uh, better terms for people that are using uh, the, the API for other purposes, like for example, food research or uh, just for apps that allow you to just interact with Reddit rather than just scrape the data. Uh, the, so yeah, uh, by the way, the scrape yeah. the data is mostly for AI purposes, right? This is yes. what they, yeah, they yeah. want to kind of monetize. Yeah, and that's interesting. We had some uh, news uh, around uh, Stack Overflow also trying mm -hmm. to do something similar. So uh, it seems like every knowledge hub that is on the internet is kind of uh, seeing uh, maybe the AI revolution of these large language models as uh, something that's kind of just using them rather than uh, you know contributing back or um, basically giving them a share of, uh, of the money that they are making. So yeah, it would be interesting to see w what happens here. Yeah, I think it's fascinating, right? Because, um, you know, language models is now a big database of knowledge and thanks to those you know knowledge hubs and thanks to the people yep. that were kind of like sharing opinions for free and you know they are doing this for free to kind of like you know it's not necessarily for free essentially like even those users are doing this to maybe get popular maybe to you know share knowledge but also learn from those platforms but the platform itself you know has to be uh, you know, sustainable, like has to earn money and kind of like allow, you know, those, you know, even even hosting those costs and, and whatever. So, you know, those companies that learn or other people kind of like learning their AI models on top of this data is a little bit um, fishy. And, you yeah. know, we will see much more on this, to be honest. And, and I think I, I heard on Scott Galloway podcast as well, this kind of mentioned and um, he compared this to uh, music artists or maybe you know like you want to put the music on the video or you want to put the, the music of someone um, in the radio or kind of like in, in in your restaurant you have to pay some bit of money to some kind of organization and this organization will distribute hopefully fairly uh, to uh -huh. um, you know like uh, artists 
And, you know, we probably will see something like that here where, you know, this, this knowledge is, it was created by someone. So, you know, we should kind of give a credit, right? So it's going to be interesting. And honestly, there should be some organization and maybe like government stepping in, honestly, on, on those things to mm -hmm. kind of like try to clarify. But there's no good answer as well. Like we don't want to block innovation and so on. So it's interesting to, to see what's next. Uh, yeah, another thing is that uh, with these API restrictions, maybe some valid use cases can be affected, right? So, for example, uh, on your mobile phone, there are like many different readers for apps like Reddit. And uh, these readers are just kind of UI on top of the API that Reddit provides. And they allow maybe customers uh, or users to have uh, you know, better workflows around, okay, how can I favorite things? How can mm -hmm. I see the things that are really important to me? But if we have these API restrictions in place, then it, it becomes uh, difficult to maybe support these versions. And like one of the most popular apps on um, on mobile is uh, Apollo uh, for Reddit mm -hmm. as a Reddit reader, and it's uh, maintained by a single person, right? And now this single person needs to deal with all of these problems yeah. of uh, okay API restrictions. Uh, and yeah, so on yeah, and yeah. This is super super fair, and and because. Maybe AI movement is getting maybe very aggressive in some in some case, and people are trying to block and like kind of like monetize those things. It will have a harm on other kind of unrelated things, and the same yeah. happened or similar to Twitter API. And of course, maybe who knows what CEO whatever thought about uh, you know blocking the Twitter APIs. It's not only about AI, but maybe maybe a little bit about AI you know kind of learning on those things as well. Um, so so kind of like this this has a huge impact and it's important to be careful now I guess with those APIs when you are building business on top of those you have to have a plan contingent plan on how you want to deal when your favorite platform will block you maybe because of AI but also blocks you <laughs> so it's interesting yeah 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 okay well what news do you have from this week Bartek and then another point of an AI is I don't know I found it's disturbing <laughs> like apparently you can um, now talk to dead people with AI so wow. there is um, some company that essentially do the interview with like a person that is about to maybe pass or at some point pass right and they kind of like answer this person answers like I don't know 300 questions or so and then they learn a model on this and that and then um, it shows some projections, maybe video, but definitely like a voice. And then you can ask this person, which is maybe already dead or somewhere else, mm -hmm. questions. And it responds like, like, like this person. And they actually did it with some, I don't know, eight years old woman. And, and she was answering the questions after her funeral. I think this is oh, maybe too much. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a little bit creepy, but... Uh... If it allows people to get uh, closure, then why not? Well, but yeah, <laughs> it looks a little bit creepy. I don't know, man. I don't know. Would you do that for yourself? Honestly, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Probably no. But uh, yeah, it's 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 not for you, right? It's for your relatives, maybe. No, no. I mean, but like them. imagine you preparing for your oh. death. Uh, yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's it sounds <laughs> a little bit too crazy for me. Oh man. Okay. Now let's switch topics. Um, what okay. else you, okay. you learned? Uh, yeah, uh, I have uh, one more, uh, and it's not so much. Uh, well, I guess it's news uh, uh, from earlier this month. Um, YC, the popular uh, startup accelerator, accepted their uh, winter uh, 2023 badge, and I want to quiz you a little bit. Um, oh. Just <laughs> so okay. they have a lot of st statistics, 
um, which is amazing. Uh, but can you guess how, like, what percentage of the accepted startups in this accelerator have applied more than once? Like, you apply once, you get rejected, you apply twice, you get accepted. Like, what percentage of the startups have been accepted only after they have applied once already? Okay, so essentially, uh, let's define the, the, the rules better. So essentially, the percentage of people of like startups who mm -hmm. were accepted, mm -hmm. but also were doing multiple attempts before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, 100%. Exactly, yeah. Probably there was no even uh, case where it was a first-timer. Yeah, it's kind of close. Like 60% of them were first-timers. So like, yeah, 40% were first-timers. But yeah, yeah, quite interesting. Quite interesting. No, I, I, I can uh, imagine you should try more to and fail only then, you know, right? Yeah. Then you learn, yeah. What percentage of uh, uh, the startups that were accepted were accepted only on idea? No prototype, no MVP, just idea. Oh, man. I think this is tricky because I think many times people uh, were accepted because of uh, maybe the, you know, the YC fought mm -hmm, they're mm -hmm. really good people. And the idea yep, might yep. be bullshit, but, you know, the, the <laughs> people were really hardworking and, and, and mm -hmm, passionate. Mm -hmm. So, okay, but based on idea, Jesus, I don't know, like, um, <laughs> I guess it's important, but not that much. Again, there are other aspects, so mm. I don't know, 30%? Yeah, it's around, it's 50%. Uh, so 50% 50, mm. 50 of startups had no, like, prototype. It was just, yeah, the founders. So and the this shows that idea matters the most, or? I, I think uh, it, it just, uh, it's more about showing, do you need to have a like product already developed yeah. before applying right and you in some cases you don't but yeah nice awesome great learning awesome. and final final question oh yeah which one uh, pick, pick <laughs> yeah about uh, maybe um what do you think is the biggest uh team in startups like is it uh let's say dev tools is it fintech is it uh b2b SaaS companies like what what do you think is the biggest group of startups that were accepted is it like climate tech is it oh now it's ai but before <laughs> um honestly i have zero idea i there it has to be something jesus i don't know even if it's like b2b more or b2 customer more i no mm. idea sorry no tell me yeah, yeah, no, uh, I think that's interesting. And uh, actually, their breakdown is uh, yep. well, maybe a little bit difficult to read, but yeah, they definitely mentioned that AI is one of the most common teams. Another com very common team is open source, which is very interesting. Uh, but yeah, the biggest, the biggest uh, kind of uh, vertical is B two B, B two B SaaS companies, and enterprise SaaS companies. Nice, nice, nice. But yeah, Dev tools also take like seventeen percent, which is interesting so and i think dev tools and open source kind of go hand in hand it's now a lot of companies that want to do dev tools you kind of have to be open source right to get your initial yeah. customers yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and maybe because of the cncf and kubecon kind of being an open source as well okay yeah, yeah. maybe last news um have you heard about apache arrow I have heard about it. I have never used it though. Yeah, me too. I mean, I would maybe, yeah, I just looked at it and like, I know how it works, but I, I want to really mm -hmm. play. It was just a news. Uh, recently, there's another columnar database and it's called yep. XTD, T 
TDB, and I think it's a second version of it or something, but I was just, um, I don't know what it does, honestly, and if it's even useful, but what struck <laughs> me is that everybody calls them, oh, like, it's very popular to have columnar storage and Apache yep. Arrow, uh, probably with Apache Parquet, and probably mm -hmm. working with object storage and probably <laughs> having schema. So those are the things that are repeated in a community. And it, I just, uh, yeah, I just find it interesting that everybody tries to solve, uh, I mean, really be useful uh, with those features like object storage. So it's cheap storage, Apache mm -hmm. Arrow and columnar storage. So you can have maybe time series, but also like very, um, cardinal uh, with huge entropy with huge yep. uniqueness lots of dynamic columns essentially that's mm -hmm, the point mm -hmm. um and apache arrow is is super uh, nicely fitted with this in-memory model and protocols and so on so i uh, can't wait to really yeah. play with it yeah as a prometheus maintainer do you give your commitment now in this episode that you're going to support XTDB in Prometheus. No, no, <laughs> no. Even like I don't promise anything on even using Apache Arrow. In fact, there are people who already tried this, like yep. um, you know, Polar Signal companies building this FrostDB, mm -hmm. which is Apache Arrow based in Golang, uh, and mm -hmm. there are even like already working kind of forks of Prometheus that uses this oh, FrostDB. Wow. So you can just jump on them just mm -hmm. is just so much more expensive to run and it's not because okay. design is bad it's just this 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 uh, implementation is not yet mature not yet optimized for prometheus that much but there is no clear answer if it will be ever much faster mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by design it should be some people say should i'm pessimistic but i would love to check um but people do replace yeah. Prometheus storage with ClickHouse, which is also mm -hmm. turned out to be mm -hmm. much more expensive, but again, maybe use, uh, useful for some cases. There is also this InfluxDB iteration, IOX, yeah. I think, mm -hmm. which is built in Rust in Apache Arrow, and it's claimed to be unlimited scalability and cardinality. <laughs> and of course, don't buy that. It always, it's unlimited, sure, but then it costs over time on over <laughs> uh, cardinality, of course. And that cost grow is really what's what's really important to care about, is it big or, or low? But again, like I'm just I'm just thinking there is a pattern to to follow Apache Arrow and it's pretty cool. So yeah, I'm I might be playing with it more. Yeah, yeah. nice, amazing, awesome. Let's now jump to the main part. Okay, yeah, we are here actually in KubeCon uh, in Amsterdam. And, you know, just accidentally we bumped on each other, <laughs> I think, two days ago or yesterday. Mm. Um, we kind of bumped into Becky, right? Um, who I think I, I know you from uh, Birmingham, right? So there yes. was like DevOps days in Birmingham. And, you know, you were speaking there and you were so good speaker. I was like, yeah, I have to, I have to meet <laughs> her. And uh, so, yeah, and we bumped again. And essentially you, um, I mean, well, maybe I will let you introduce yourself. Um, so can you tell a few words about you? What's your passion? What do you do? Okay, so I am Becky Pawley. Um, I like, used to be a teacher. So um, I was like primary school teacher and then sort of taught myself a bit of code and stuff and then moved into tech like about two years ago now. Um, and now I work at like Jetstack. So I'm doing lots of sort of consultancy stuff where I go and talk to people about Kubernetes um, really enjoying like learning fast, getting to meet new people, um, and like my first time at KubeCon as well, which is really really exciting. That's pretty sweet. Thanks. So, how do you think about this KubeCon being like first time, I guess, in such a big event? Um, how do you how do you feel? 
It's really exciting. What I've really enjoyed is like obviously like meeting people that I've seen at other events like yeah. DevOps days and things like that. So you feel like uh, at home, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I was so really many surprised like, yeah, actually. Yeah. Familiar faces. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Uh, and I think uh, one of the more interesting things that. Uh, I learned about you um, from Bartek is uh, that you're doing this uh, digital nomad lifestyle. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, wh what is this? Like, how does your you know day to day look like? Okay, so like up till now, it's sort of been lots of little experiments, and um, mm -hmm. so we've been trying to really figure out what works for us. And it's been, to be honest, it's been years in the making. So even when I was teaching, I couldn't travel and work. Um, but I would travel around my work. So I would finish work on a Friday, pack up like a tent in the back of my smart car and wow. just go and like camp for the weekend. Mm -hmm. And it was like those little mini escapes. Um, eventually from that, like when I moved into tech, we really seriously thought about other ways of doing things, but I wanted to settle down first. Like stay in tent longer. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. So I have worked from a tent. I have genuinely worked from a tent wow. at Heatwave. <laughs> Amazing. Um, making production changes. Whoa, <laughs> let's go. Um, and that was like surprisingly nice. fun. Um, and then we, we sort of, we bought a van about a year ago because like if you can travel in a tent, like a van is more comfortable, mm -hmm. right? Um, and what we did for a long time was just weekends. So we would literally pack up, do the weekend, come back. And then we've done a few times where we've gone somewhere for the day, co-worked and used the van. Um, and then like in the summer, we sort of tried out going, okay, let's go stay at a campsite because mm -hmm. we want electricity. <coughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and then just like work there for a while because um, you're near the beach mm -hmm. or you're near the things you want to do. So we did that and that worked like really, really well for us. Um, so we've taken the plunge now and it makes me feel a bit old, but we bought a caravan and it's a caravan <laughs> you can move. Um, so the idea is that we have the van which can go anywhere. Uh -huh. We put the, the, the caravan in like a fixed place and that is like our office, like our mini apartment. A caravan, you mean essentially like this, um, what like uh, additional, how we call it, like trailer? Yeah. Yeah. That attaches the van. Yeah. So you have two rooms now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like so two room exciting. Flat. Two bedroom. <laughs> yeah. It's like more than doubled the space. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we're like, we've committed to staying there for the full summer, but we are not going to just stay there. That's like our base, but we're going to like flit around and explore some different places. This is epic. Yeah. So maybe before we dive more, like I would be curious, you know, What's special in, in the, well, what's the definition of the digital nomad? And, and mm. for me, what I heard is essentially, you know, like doing work on the road mm. and changing places and working remotely, but like using this remote factor to the, <laughs> to the extreme where you can actually be anywhere and, mm. and enjoy, you know, the nature or maybe different places and, and just move, but also be very productive. So I wonder what's, um, what's so special about that why you should do this like it's challenging it costs something and mm. yet you still are going in those <laughs> directions i wonder what's the underlying like emotion and like passion you know what, what gets you into this uh, yeah i mean freedom uh like being able to just be outdoors more like being forced to be outdoors actually because you've got this <laughs> home that is quite a small yeah. space and um you know like there is nothing like motivation to work and get everything done i feel like i got more done in that tent yeah. because i knew at five o'clock <laughs> i wanted to be in the sea i wanted to be at the beach i got so much done um so i actually felt like it helped my productivity because i was getting all this sort of really cool stuff around work too mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, were you always kind of like an outdoor person and uh, this was just like a natural kind of continuation of this or there was like one year you said, okay, now is the time to explore more? The thing that really started us wanting this, um, just before COVID, we went on a little road trip around Europe with smart car. We did not have a van then. We had a smart car <laughs> and a tent and we city camped in Amsterdam. We stayed uh, near Bruges. Um, and we loved it. Like we were living very, very simply. Everything had to fit into this tiny little car and we were happier with that than we'd been sort of doing much, much sort of fancier things. And we realized how much we enjoyed being outdoors, um, being on the move and also being by the water because the canals around here are just yeah. like awesome. Nice. Yeah, so I did like some trip as well, like yeah. last year. Um, so we took like my car and it was much a little bit different because you know it wasn't about like nature and this tent and whatever mm. because we were traveling to airbnbs around the world or europe sorry and we did it like three months and i was working week in each place right remotely mm. uh, so we did like italy then france then you know like deeper parts of uk actually that was when i visited birmingham for the, the devops days mm. and then back to um france and then um, Valencia, so kind of like the KubeCon in, um, in um, Spain and so on and so nice. on, right? And I feel it's a little different what you are planning to do because you are kind of like closer to nature. You want to bring your home with you. Mm. And I think it's great because you know, one challenge I had while working like that is that at some point I, I got sick of packing <laughs> because I have to move. You know, my car didn't have a lot of space, but still you have to pack everything back to car and back from car to the place. So mm. you're moving, moving, moving. And then maybe if you have like, um, you know, caravan or whatever, you kind of have those place in, you know, kind of like packed already, kind of like for travel. And then you just change places, maybe a little bit unpack to, to have like kitchen, whatever. But generally it's, it's less packing. <laughs> that, <laughs> my, that was my challenge. I was like, I, mm. I, I hate this going to the car with all those things like, you know, four times, oh my God, it, that was my one, one of the main blocker, right? Where, yeah, I was tired. Mm, yeah, there's definitely like a mental overhead uh -huh. to moving often and packing and unpacking and thinking about where you're going to be so, next. Uh, but so have you considered maybe this, yeah, not having like a van, but actually mm -hmm. like going to and, and living in Airbnbs and kind of like that? Um, I think for us, we really like bringing our home with us. The van feels like right. home to the point where we've gone and stayed with friends, but we don't stay in a house. We stay in the van nice. on the driveway <laughs> and we have a key if we need to use the bathroom at night. Um, it like it, you get really emotionally attached to it when it's your home that comes with yeah. you and you've had all these experiences. No, and honestly, how many times we go to office or when we are working <laughs> remotely or different places and then you are missing your desktop, you're missing yes. your monitors, right? And <laughs> you kind of have you can have all of those, right? Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's that's a solution. Nice. Yeah. And, and talking talking about uh, um, kind of the work experience, um, I think Jetstack is fully remote. No. Yeah. Does this help uh, with uh, all of this uh, kind of traveling? No. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Good question. Good question. <laughs> um, like massively, because obviously, even when I uh, interview, I wanted yeah. to like mention I'm going to be traveling a bit, yeah. um, <laughs> and it it's not affected things at all. You know, being able to work flexibly as long as I'm able to like make my meetings, do my yep. work. Like everyone's really cool about where I do that and how I do that. Um, and that's one reason I really like where I am. Yeah, and yeah. I think, you know, like the pandemic kind of enabled that, right? Absolutely. And that's kind of scary. Uh, the scary part is also that, you know, some, some companies want to move back to the office, right? Mm. Which is 
against kind of like maybe this freedom. Um, so that's kind of like important. Okay, so um, how to stay productive, right? Like what are, okay, let's talk about challenges. Like is there anything that maybe it's harder to, to, to work and maybe when you're rolling production and collaborating with team or talking to clients or, you know, customers that you're consulting, like is there, mm -hmm. what are the main challenges when on the travel okay. as a digital nomad? Um, I mean, like you were mentioning, that sort of mental overhead, mm -hmm. you know, you've got to do more thinking, more planning. You sometimes have to, if you're in a small space like a van, you're moving your stuff around a little bit more. So there's just more like life admin stuff you have to think <laughs> about. Um, and I'm quite obsessive about having really good internet access. Um, I'm really worried about going somewhere that I don't know if I'm going to have a good connection. Yeah. So like obviously there's 5G, but we have Starlink RV Whoa. as well. That's next level. Right? <laughs> nice. yeah. um, and that's been super, super mm -hmm. good. Like it was, it's quite an investment, um, but it's been a really good investment mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. us. How does it work? Do you just install something on your car or like? Uh, so it's like, it's like a satellite dish and mm. you have to pay for a subscription and it's about 95 pounds a month. So like I said, it is an mm. investment um, and you need to have power. So, so far we have um, like paid for an electric pitch so that we always have a hookup that we can power it with. Mm -hmm. um, but we are looking at how much it will cost us to get a fully off-grid system and an inverter so that we can just run it ourselves um, because it takes more power than some of the other things that we would sort of use. But again, totally worth it. Yeah, totally. Like even when I was traveling with Airbnbs, like you never know if the internet is good enough and you mm. will fail on meetings and, and crash or whatever, <laughs> right? Uh, but it works in every country. No, it's uh, you are kind of limited to the countries, but maybe Europe is fine. What do you think to the Starlink? So I haven't read it okay. in quite a while. From what I remember, you can use it outside of. So I think it was if I came to Europe outside of because I'm from the UK, then I could have maybe a month or two. Um, so it'd still be a little bit of an experience I could travel around for a while. Um, and there are some areas, I think the Scottish Highlands places like that weren't covered at that point, but that was when I first bought it, so it may be better now. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, okay, so let's summarize the challenges, like this mm -hmm. mental kind of like moving, um, you know, tiredness, uh, internet. Mm -hmm. Is there anything more? Because I think, you know, the, the many, well, why people say in office maybe you are more productive mm -hmm. are I guess one of the main issues is like this kind of like random chats, right? Like hallway, mm. whatever chats and um, maybe being more yeah, easier to collaborate with people. Mm. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, I found that really interesting because I changed career in the pandemic. So I went from you teaching. You kind of don't know exactly yeah, how, <laughs> how it could work in office maybe, right? Like exactly. Yeah. But maybe, maybe you, you see now, right? Like you are in conference and there is maybe more collaboration in some something some some different kind of you know ideas uh, because you are in the team so maybe that's kind of the comparison we might have but yeah i mean i i've been quite lucky in that people where i work now are really good at like doing the whole informal virtual coffee thing so we can sort of create some of those conversations Amazing. it's not the same as you know bumping into people but i really value stuff like quarterly catch-ups informal things and i do go to quite a lot of meetups and stuff like that just because you you have those people to bounce yeah. ideas off yeah, yeah, nice. And I think that's an important um, action that just a company that has a lot of remote employees needs to take, right? Um, and uh, I think it's even more challenging when the company is not fully remote, right? Because uh, maybe the people that are not remote have their own kind of culture and it takes some kind of effort to have a good 
remote first or remote friendly culture as well. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, another thing, I don't know, maybe I'm spoiled, but uh, I feel like my productivity jumps like twofold when I have <laughs> a bigger monitor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How, how, do, you, do you have uh, a good setup uh, in your caravan like, or do you just work from your laptop? Um, I have like a portable second screen thing uh-huh. um, and that was pretty good. Um, it does draw quite a lot of power from my... Oh, yeah, that's my, kind of that's like the consideration <laughs> you have. Right? Um, so I don't use it all the time, but yeah, definitely sometimes. So you either have another monitor or, uh, you know, the dinner. So you have to choose, <laughs> right? Because you don't have energy to cook. Yeah, yeah, like you couldn't probably put the kettle on at the same time. <laughs> um, but that, like, I'm definitely glad I brought that. That's been really useful. Yeah. How do you choose your next destination? Uh, do you, you have to take a lot of things into consideration, right? Like, is there a good uh, camping site? Is there uh, good, like, energy? Uh, does uh, Starlink work there? Like, are there any any other things that you consider? And obviously, whether you're interested in going to this <laughs> place, I guess. Yeah, definitely all those things. And also, like, different campsites have very different atmospheres. Um, so, mm-hmm. for example, the place that we stayed for the week, there was, like, a children's play area nearby. Mm-hmm. And actually, the problem with working from a tent is there's quite a lot of noise <laughs> mm-hmm. from the children playing. So I was having to sort of constantly mute and unmute myself, and mm-hmm. I hadn't even thought of that. So with a longer-term pitch, I've sort of thought where I am, because you can choose on the campsite so it's a little bit quieter, have a little bit more space, don't have that interruption in meetings. Um, things like that. You don't quite know exactly what the facilities and the, the vibe of the campsite is going to be like till you get there. If someone's going to be playing like really loud music all day, there are some of those things that are a little bit outside your control. So you've got to be able to just work with it. Nice. No, no that's a good learning, right? Like something you, you, you don't thought about and, and then you go and then you have this challenge of like noise, for example, that you have to care about. So it's a good mm. learning. Mm. Um, Let's say, you know, let's say you have somebody to, um, or like, let's say you, you want to start a digital kind of nomad life. You mm. want to kind of like go on the road for some time, maybe try it out. Um, how would you maybe suggest or like recommend mentioning that to your employer, to your <laughs> boss? Ooh. Or maybe you wouldn't mention. Maybe actually, maybe that's okay to actually not mention just travel. What do you think? Like generally. I've never thought about that before. Yeah. That's really interesting. <laughs> Honestly, no, to be honest, like, I work in Red Hat, so remote. I don't mm. think I fully mentioned this. I mm. mean, and no one cared, I thought. And, I, and that was true because then I mentioned it after when I actually started <laughs> things and no one, you know, cared. So in some way, I'm just saying because I, I was not, you know, um, if I'm, someone asked, I was transparent, but like, it wasn't like on my, yeah, I, it's on my own contract that I cannot travel remotely. Mm. So it's a fair question, right? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I guess it depends on the sort of culture of a workplace, doesn't it? Um, if if it's quite normal for people to work remote, if it's remote first, then they should be open to that. Like I was very transparent about mm-hmm. it from the start, and my partner in his companies, because um, he's actually moved roles since we started doing this, um, he's been very transparent. About I guess that. you're transparent. You're on podcasts, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. hiding. <laughs> Everyone <now>. knows. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I guess I, I guess I would always be on the side of saying it. Totally, early. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's to be fair. But um, okay, so you want to ha- say early, um, you have this plan. How would you approach your manager? Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Because people might be, you know, people might have, you know, the, they want to go on the road. Mm. They want to do that. They have a feeling it will boost the productivity, but they're scared to, to mention this to, to their employer, right? Okay. No, that's a good point. So I think maybe broaching it as an experiment, making it low key to start with, like, 
I want to try this for a day. Mm. I want to try this for a couple of days. Is there a day, like Fridays, mm -hmm. are they a bit quieter? And then, so if that experiment works and it builds trust, okay, that's safe, maybe we try it a bit longer. I think that way of doing it, if you're a little bit nervous, might be a safer way in. And then your employer is more likely to be like, yeah, that's cool, that worked for you. Yeah. We trust you to do it for longer. Yeah, yeah. what about mentioning advantages, right? Maybe you <laughs> can think about some, mm. I mean, it's not think, like we already mentioned some, you are, um, just just more relaxed. You are more innovative, I believe, right? Oh yeah. Um, in these scenarios, you you kind of um, you know you can quickly jump and kind of be, be relaxed. So you can kind of work maybe a little bit. I don't know, like again, stay productive a little bit longer through the day. Mm. Um, so you know, kind of mentioning this as a, as a value to the employee probably would be would be a nice idea as well. Yeah, that's a really really good point. We mentioned uh, on the campsite, so you know there are areas for children to play. Are there any campsites with areas for people to work from? Is it something like a co-working space in a campsite? Is this a thing or you haven't seen something like that? I haven't come across it so far. It would be super cool. I mean, some campsites have cafes, so theoretically yeah. it would be like going to a coffee shop. Um, and some people do the digital nomad thing and pay for co-working. Yeah. Um, and that's another option, isn't it? Like mm. you, you have a dedicated office space, but that that's cost. And also then you are still going to an office. If you, if you don't yeah. want to do that, then. Interesting. I think what's even is kind of going there mm. is that maybe more and more people are doing this digital yeah. nomad. So you might be, you know, like totally working kind of in <laughs> office through caravans <laughs> because everybody has a co-working space at this mm. point, right? Because I see so many people trying this. So, yeah. Mm. I think I have one friend in, in Berlin as well, and he has a van, um, mm. or a camp van, whatever, and, and you know, what, what he's not doing like digital nomading, but from time to time, he's actually, you know, going, um, working remotely from home, and then one day maybe grabbing his car, going to the lake, and yeah. working from, from the van, right? So there are cool stuff you can do, like, to, to start first, like, Absolutely. small things, not go around the euro because you have to care maybe about maybe some insurance maybe some you know like planning and, and you know what what tires to use <laughs> summer or winter or what because i got stuck in mountains during that that that, that period as well so it's wow. actually, actually easier to start small and maybe kind of like yeah co-work i mean work from a lake nearby and mm. not go super far right first and you mentioned you already did that with weekends right yeah definitely but maybe something focused for work just to check if your employer is happy is with, with the you know, value you provide while working remotely very far, right? Mm -hmm. Anyway, that would, be, that would be what I would do. Definitely. So can you roughly explain, because you mentioned that you have some plans maybe to, to do more of it. Mm. Can you just roughly mention like you want to like visit Europe or, mm. or what exactly places that are on the top list you, you would like to visit at some point? Oh, I mean, all the places. All the places. Okay. Um, I love the beach. Um, okay. Like since we started doing this, um, we've both taken up surfing, and that's super fun. Um, so I think mainly the UK for the summer, and like just get comfortable with it, test yep. some things out, and then maybe in the winter go somewhere warmer, Spain, mm -hmm. Portugal. Try that out for a bit. That sounds like it'd be really interesting. That's epic. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Uh, maybe another thing is um, if I want to do it. Uh, I have to take my cat with me, right? Because I have a cat. <laughs> do, do you know of like any people experience with pets? Maybe with dog is easier, but like I can't even imagine having my cat in a caravan <laughs> stuck all day. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question, right? I think that's a blocker kind of, right? A little bit, right? Yeah, I 
mean, I've seen people who are like long-term stay-on campsites who do have cats, and really? I've seen like YouTube videos okay. where people have cats. But I guess you'd have to trust them not to roam away and get lost. That's a challenge mm. with a cat versus a dog, I suppose. Becky, what is the most interesting location that you have worked from? Is it the the tents that you mentioned <laughs> before, or? Yeah, definitely yeah. the tent. Um, I think what we'd like to do as well once we're once we're sort of in that location is just it's not far to drive to the beach so some days mm. um if we can get the off-grid set up we will literally go and work pretty much on the beach you know it'd be pretty cool to take your lunch break and go surfing and then come back <laughs> to the van and chill mm -hmm. and then do your afternoon's work cool do you have any other kind of suggestions during the day mm. of your work day in a tent or kind of like in the nature but with internet and electricity do you have any practices maybe you are organizing the meetings in a certain time mm. and maybe you are coding in a certain time and it's interested position <laughs> like I don't laying on the I don't know any kind of like cool suggestions that you found useful for you mm. how to be developer you know on the road um, I think again like making sure that you've got a comfortable setup um, and like we spent ages trying everything that we tried like what is this like to actually sit in yeah what's the table height yeah. like what are we going to need for sort ergonomics of absolutely yeah. because what i don't want is back problems in two weeks time yeah <laughs> um so that and then a lot of getting up and meet i mean a campsite that's more you've got to get up every time you well i prefer to use the bathrooms there so like yeah. you get up every time you go to the bathroom and um, always going for a walk at lunch like lots and lots of moving around um, i find that i'm a lot more active when I'm like out and about rather than working from home. Nice. Yeah. Another challenge, you know, <laughs> so many challenges, right, to overcome, but <laughs> for a good reason. Like, I found it's interesting to work outside mm. because my laptop was so hot I couldn't touch yeah. it. <laughs> How to deal with that? Like, I mean, so you, can, you just need to remember that this can happen, so you have to kind of have some, yeah, like umbrella mm. or anything, right? But like, yeah, do you have any of those like basic primitive problems that you yeah like you mentioned noise but like sun i don't know like again temperature um yeah maybe rain suddenly in some place that you shouldn't make yeah i mean if it's raining or it's windy you're probably not gonna be able to take calls in a tent for example that's not gonna work <laughs> um and in the heat wave what we found is the tent was like an awning tent so that absorbed the heat really well and the actual okay. van was a lot cooler mm -hmm. um but what some people do is they have a little tiny air conditioning unit and they run that shut all the doors and you've got this tiny little cold yeah. space um yeah like i would definitely consider doing that next time Great, and and you know when you are doing calls from from this remote locations, mm. I, I bet I bet it's um, good for a small talk as well. For the beginning, you know, there's <laughs> yeah. weird small talks, and then everybody knows you are on travel, so ask good question. I think that helps, right? Like they just to have like a better connection with the team as well, no? Yeah, like, to have something to chat about. It was a really nice talking point, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> it has been, and I mean, the problem is I never shut up about it, but people <laughs> don't seem bored of it yet, so it's okay. Amazing. Mm. Okay, so we talked about driving, um, you know, and working from different places mm. via car, via van, mm. tent, camper van. But I heard you also have some experience of thinking about doing, l l living and working from boat. 
Yeah. How would that work? Maybe you can explain more because not everybody lives in UK where mm. those boats are kind of popular, right? This is not, that's not a normal boat. It's a canal boat, right? Yeah. So we, we really, really seriously considered this and nearly, nearly moved on to a canal boat full time mm -hmm. because in the UK, there are two ways of living on a canal boat. You can either live at a marina where you sort of pay rent to moor your boat there and you use that as a base and mm -hmm. you have facilities like electricity and water and that sort of stuff. Um, or you can be what's called a continuous cruiser and you travel around the canal system, but you have to move on every, like at least every two weeks. Um, but you have to find the facilities like water, emptying your toilet. You end up thinking a lot about emptying your toilet <laughs> on a boat, um, it, like far too much yeah. detail. But you have like there's a lot of mental overhead when you move around all the time. Um, and part of the reason for that was when when I did the career change, you know, I needed we were thinking I might need like a lower cost lifestyle for a while. Yeah. Um, and fortunately we had a family member who had a boat so we we actually stayed on it quite a lot we took it on some big trips um, and we really enjoyed it but what we found is one the internet was a concern mm -hmm. like there were patches we didn't have starling yep. then yep. but there were patches where there was no interact at yeah. all um, and the other thing was like that mental overhead of moving around all the time was was really hard um, and also you don't the pace of life is different on a boat if you want to be waking up in the countryside have breakfast move slowly that's really good but we like the flexibility of the van the fact that you can still get to the shops easily and then go to the beach you're not sort of stuck on one track and waiting however many miles to even be able to turn around um, so it was nice for a holiday but I don't think it was the right choice for us to live, so I'm glad we tried it first. <laughs> totally, wow. Does it, does it require some special license? Can anybody, you know, drive a boat or sail a boat? Anyone can drive a boat. You, you need, if you're going to own the boat and like drive it along the canal, you need mm -hmm. a sort of license. You pay a little bit a year to, to sort of be allowed to use it on the public canal network. We did do a driving lesson um, oh. because it, it, it does feel like quite a because it's, it's a big steel box it's yeah. heavy you want to know that it, you can bump it into things but you don't really want to <laughs> um, but that is really fun like because you pick up a life skill as well now i know i can drive a canal yeah, totally. yeah. Uh, so so you essentially have also some working place inside the boat itself when it's raining or whatever right so you have like place for sleep and maybe mm. some desk right yeah. inside so was there enough room was not too hot or something like that um so we tried it more sort of as a, a trip before working in yeah, it. Okay. It definitely wouldn't have been a good work set up for us. And the reason for that is it didn't have um, a very good inverter. AC. So we oh, couldn't yeah. charge anything. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. um, yeah. So everything had to charge off like um, 12 volt power. Um, so yeah, like we wouldn't, I think it would have been too much to try and work from that with the setup we had. No, no, amazing, amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be my, yeah, wow, okay. Next, next level. And also you have those, it's kind of complex. You have the canal, okay? You have mm. some like river, whatever. And then I, those canals goes into lakes. Can you go with this boat to like bigger lake or that's no go? So you can go on rivers, yeah. but the, now I've never taken it on a river, but I know that there are like extra rules. I think you have to yeah. wear life jackets. Some of them have ties. That sounds so. uh, dangerous, right? <laughs> yeah. Funny. Handle, yeah. You can like finally turn, as you said, right? It's so hard to turn, right? Mm. In this canal boat. Wow, I have so many questions. Yeah. Okay, but people do that, yeah. I have some another friend who is renovating the boat and living there, so it's wow. So it's amazing. Oh, yeah. Mm. I wanted to ask. So, reverse log. 
uh, lakes and you know canals, different types of you know like water, whatever <laughs> infrastructure. But there's also those lifts, right? Oh, the how locks, you, the ones. <laughs> with the yeah, how you operate this? Like, who has the key of that? Like, how you pump this water up and down? Do you know? Oh, so the trip we did, uh -huh. we did the the route that has like the most locks in the country. So I think it's like 30 <laughs> so in a day. you are expert, you are yeah, expert in that. 30 in a day. 30? Yeah, it was a lot. Um, and you have a little metal thing that you sort of get onto the end of it and you turn it and you have to open it, let mm -hmm. the boat through. It depends which way you're going because you're either letting water out to sort of lower the boat or letting water in to like rise the boat. So it sort of steps so that you can travel sort of uphill mm -hmm. or downhill. Um, it's a lot of, I really enjoyed that because it's hard physical work. <laughs> but then it takes time, right? To like, oh, feel yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And okay. occasionally you get stuck because they don't work properly. <laughs> yeah, and there's only route, only one route, essentially, right? <laughs> You've got to make it right. work. And then there were queues, I guess, like maybe multiple boats. Yeah, but it's a really good community. I mean, like, really friendly. You meet people along the way. You, like, make friends with someone. You say, okay, we'll go through the system together, yeah. and you take it in turns to sort of let each other through. Um, like the canal boat community is really really friendly and welcoming okay uh, maybe scary questions but are you worried about maybe tax problems when you are majority of year outside of your country or that should be not a problem like imagine you are doing this like for longer mm. would that be a problem should people kind of double check that or or not I've never really had to look at it because we haven't been outside the UK yet. But um, the, the, I, obviously Brexit affects what we are and aren't yeah, able yeah. to do. So we have to think quite carefully about that. Um, and we have got like a, a home base that we're going to keep in the short term because there's loads of legal stuff about like being registered with a exactly, doctor, yeah, yeah. being registered to vote. And if you don't have address, a fixed address, right. it's like that's really it's tricky. It's crazy, yeah. So mm. at least you have some address um, and then you can kind of like, yeah, make sure you're legal <laughs> on this um no makes, makes sense just just mm. you know just to talk, talk to uh, i guess i mentioned to the audience yeah you have to kind of like double check that i think there are rules that you cannot be outside of your country six months in yeah. some countries so you have to be careful i guess and this is kind of what digital nomads are so incompatible with mm. some rules and laws mm. um so so it's just yeah another challenge but luckily our workplace is remote so at least that part is done it's not like kind of yeah in office Wow, okay, no, so it makes sense to me. Yeah, I'm going for road, yes. I mean, we have, <laughs> I have a baby, so that may be my slight issue. Um, and they will have to go to school as well, I guess, mm. but yeah. And we have a cat even, so yes. maybe we have like little baby and cat kind of <laughs> place safe for road. But there are more and more like families doing this now as well. That's what's really yeah, interesting. Yeah, so I was kind of like, uh, I think even mentioned like maybe, you know, like question around, okay, are there any communities or something? But mm. maybe, do you know anybody else who's doing digital nomading? Do you think like more people are doing that even in your work, workplace or you feel it's a kind of like niche? I think it's getting more popular with remote work. I know a few people at work who are either thinking about a van or have a van at the moment. Some, some people have bought one very, very recently. And some people are doing that thing where they literally just go for the day. Somewhere more scenic, a little bit of a mini escape. And that's, that's enough for them. Um, and some people want to have much longer trips. Some people do not want to mix work and travel yeah. and they sort of yeah, want yeah. to separate the two. And all of those are really cool yeah. things. You find what works for you. So do you know, do, 
is there anyone that you looked after and see, oh, they did it, so I can do this? Or you don't have any kind of like example? We just went for it. Yeah, <laughs> nice. This is happy because like no one did it. That means I have to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just yeah. sort of. I think COVID like made a lot of people reevaluate what they wanted out of life, right? And go for the things they were scared yeah, of. Yeah, nice. Can I ask? Did you want it that more, or your partner? <laughs> <laughs> um, or I had to convince something, yeah, someone. Both. That's why it worked. Otherwise, yeah, I can yeah, imagine I that would be yeah. pretty tricky. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I wonder if there's anything specific to software engineering mm. that allows or is challenging in the road. I think it goes back to like remote work. Yeah, if your job really does not allow being remote, like if you have to be in an office, then... No matter if you are in your flat or... Um, in, yeah. uh, in the boat, it doesn't matter, you will have a problem, right, if, mm. if remote work. So I think that's a nice summary and conclusion of, the, conclusion of this is that, you know, like FAIRS, the foundation of it, has an employer who is remote friendly, Yes. right? And, and uh, this is not easy, actually, no. right? Um, so do you have another remote workers as well? Like everybody's remote or do you have offices in, 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 in your company? Yeah, so we've got a London office okay. um, and can use it whenever we want, but it's very, very flexible. Um, and I think that that's one thing that enables this to happen, really. But it's still hybrid, or is um, is there any mandatory days anybody have to? Okay. No, Chill. no, and and that makes me very happy. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see how it goes in the future, right? I hope more people, and more companies, will notice, right, that there, mm. there is a kind of like benefit in allowing absolutely employees to, to do that. Okay. Another question I have. Another benefit. You <laughs> ooh, see, benefit. I mean, because you have people around the in your in you know in your company where you work, probably the people around the world where they're mm. living, right? So not only UK, probably like Europe as well and and whatever. So, you know, another benefit to mention to your employer would be, hey. I will be visiting those places. Yes. I will be actually connecting with those people. Mm. Are you planning to do that, maybe? Absolutely, because we've got people based in sort of various places around Europe, and they would, if I go, for example, to the to the south of Spain um, in the winter, they, those places would be on route. So I could definitely go around and visit some of those people yeah. on the way. And I would really like to, actually, because they're yeah. my friends. So, of course, exactly. I want to see them. So maybe that's another advantage. Again, you mentioned you are not going to travel and do digital nomadic. You are going for one-on-one -on -one <laughs> with this person. <laughs> yeah, I honestly. love that. Yeah. I'm going to one-on-one -on -one to friends and one-on-one -on -one with this guy and this, mm. and this lady and this person. Yeah. And then we did that, right, as well. Like, we, we met with some, you know, uh, Prometheus maintainers and, you know, from wow. Grafana, from... Uh, from Red Hat and and you know it was um, it, w it was kind of like very very local like mm. it was kind of you know we went into their house and also seen how they live oh, which wow. actually told me a lot about them yeah. right so it was much easier for me to really work with them mm. as well later because I kind of understand now the environment and mm. what they are living even one person um, from Red Hat, uh, you know, he was doing a garden, like, and I was like, no, nah, no, nah, that's impossible. And then I went and he was like, you know, giving me oranges yeah. in France. <laughs> and, and then he was, has this fight with the neighbor and I met this neighbor like almost, <laughs> it was so funny that you understand the background, right? So another benefit, like you, you can actually, yeah, collaborate maybe better, right? 
Yeah, that's a really More good ammunition. point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I do think there is that whole community thing, like definitely where we're going to be staying, there is a tech community not that far away. There is um, a larger city. So, um, and actually I met someone I'd wanted to meet for ages at exactly. KubeCon, wow. who cool. is involved in that community. Uh -huh. So there's that opportunity to make new connections and hear from new people and like that's what I like about tech that there's this sort of distributed community that you can plug into in different areas. So something maybe unrelated to digital nomad but uh, you are both right now at uh, KubeCon. Uh, Becky what was your favorite thing from KubeCon so far like maybe what is the most interesting thing you learned or the best talk that you attended? This is going to probably sound cheesy, but actually, like the the community stuff has been super cool. I have spent so yep. much time just going and talking to people, getting to know people, um, like meeting so many open mm -hmm. source maintainers in the same place has been amazing. And like, I'm I'm hoping to keep in touch with some of those people, which I'm really really excited about. Can you mention like specifically name of like one community <laughs> or project that was good? Okay, so something I've been thinking about for a while. I haven't done really any open source stuff yet. Um, and we worked a lot with Litmus Chaos in a hackathon nice, recently, amazing. and it was super cool. Like, really enjoyed it. And for me, like, I, I, I'm a bit weird. I like writing technical documentation, mm -hmm. like a lot. <laughs> um, and so, um, yeah, I had a chance to actually speak with them, and I'd, I'm really excited about maybe like starting to make some contributions there. Yeah, and Litmus Chaos is essentially yeah. this chaos um, engineering, right? Mm. Where we kind of kill pods or whatever in your Kubernetes clusters just to test. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, pretty epic. So, it's um, super cool. And you can meet those people and did you like, you wanted to go to the session and you planned or was accidentally finding people and, and getting into that discussion? I wanted to go, I wanted to go. And actually okay. it was quite good because I was a bit nervous about going to the community meeting. I haven't done that before, but <laughs> a booth feels a bit safer, safer to start with. So you have different ways of sort of having Interesting. this I feel still awkward, like, you know, <laughs> I, I kind of want to talk about this, but I'm kind of like looking at this booth and lots of people queuing mm. and it's like, how do I approach this? Mm. Any, any tips? You just go for it and just ask questions or, you know, you kind of stand awkwardly, like what's, what's, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, honestly, I'm usually just closing my eyes and doing it, but then is there any tip from your side? I, I get I, I get really nervous speaking to new people, but it's just exciting when you do. So you just feel the fear and do it anyway. I don't know who said that phrase, but I like that phrase. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So essentially, the benefit is overcoming the the, the, the you Absolutely. know the, the pain. What if you take some familiar person with you? Maybe you know like a friend. Isn't that easier then? Yeah, that's a really ah, good point. Like all the introductions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Uh, well, thank you, Becky, for talking to us about uh, digital nomads and your lifestyle. Uh, it was super interesting. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, and can we like name the, what we are optimizing here? What do you think we are optimizing for within this kind of lifestyle? Freedom. If I was going to say one word, freedom. Mm. Awesome. I like it. I love it. Yeah, mm. amazing. Thank you cool. very much. Thank you. Oh man! Oh wow! That was a good uh, a good discussion with Becky. Um, I let's be honest. Like we were. It was Friday uh, on KubeCon. Everybody was already, you know, like barely speaking because of, <laughs> of uh, like what was happening. And um, but yeah, we have still like energetic discussion. And honestly, I was motivated to to be on travel more. Um, how, how what what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I want to try it out. I I don't think I have ever done it. Like maybe 
when I go visit some relatives or something, yeah. I have work for a couple of days, but uh, just traveling every day, different place maybe, and uh, working from there, and in the evenings you, you have time to explore. It, it sounds amazing. Uh, but honestly, I don't know if I can trust myself because I feel like I'll be so mm, interested in just like going to explore. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if I want to, you know, just work all day and think about No, but I think explore. it's boosting both okay. directions. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you know you want to travel and you want to spend time like on during evenings or, or weekends to like really explore mm-hmm. and, and check other people in this place and, and check the, you know, sightseeing and, you know, maybe see and, and swimming, whatever. And this boosts you to like really work hard on the on the normal yep, yep, hours yep. because you want to be productive to really show the value and and grow your career to also kind of like follow your travel plans and yeah. are both coming you know and not blocking each other and to, to to do that you have to be productive on both fronts so it's kind mm, of like definitely. a good incentive to be honest to be a really good worker um, so yeah. I, I think you can make it fair for everyone. Yeah. Okay. I'm doing it then. Yes. If anyone who is listening wants to cut it, uh, hit me up. And also, and if uh, you want to have Ivan in, in their house <laughs> for a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, let's awesome. do some couch surfing. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Thank you. So, um, yeah, what listeners could do if they have some feedback or questions, Ivan? Yeah, uh, you will find a Google form in the description of pretty much every episode. Uh, feel free to add all of your comments, feedback, ideas about future episodes there, or feel free to contact us directly. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.